Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 335. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice. And I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new monthly Slow Flowers Journal, which you can find in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode. 335. I've known Christina Stemble since her early days of Farm Girl Flowers. I used to say hers was the one business I regretted not being able to include in my 2012 book, The 50 Mile Bouquet, because by the time we first met, virtually through an email introduction, I had already finished writing and my publisher, St. Lynn's Press, had already wrapped up the book's production and sent it off to the printer. When preparing this intro, I wanted to actually go back and figure out how Christina and I met. As it turns out, San Francisco-based food writer Sophia Markalakis virtually introduced us by email on January 29, 2012, about six weeks before the publication of The 50 Mile Bouquet. I knew that timing was close, but I had completely forgotten about Sophia's introduction. Sophia quoted both Christina and me in a February 7, 2012 article for the San Francisco Chronicle titled, Loca Floors, Eco-Friendly Florists Think Locally. I've included that story link in today's show notes. It's just amazing to look back today, six years ago, to the date of Sophia's article and consider all the strides we've taken and made to promote local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers. Christina appeared on this podcast as an early guest on episode 108 in September of 2013, and subsequently we recorded episode 154 in July of 2014 from Homer, Alaska. So longtime listeners of the Slow Flowers podcast are familiar with her story. As I wrote in the May 2017 profile about Farm Grow Flowers published in Florist Review, Farm Grow Flowers founder Christina Stemble is not a typical Silicon Valley startup darling. She isn't backed by venture capital firms who have ponied up millions of dollars to fund her launch. She doesn't have slick office space where the staff get to play ping pong or video games after grazing on catered vegan lunches. She drives a hand-me-down car and lives in a rental house with her husband, Neil Hiltz. If all goes to plan, fortune may follow the fame she has received, as in great media attention and hundreds of thousands of loyal customers. But for now, there's more grit than glamour in the life of this 39-year-old CEO. In the Q&A that followed, Christina spoke openly about the challenges of growth, including one of the most difficult ones that she faced a little more than a year ago, that of finding enough flowers to keep her customers happy. I asked this. Earlier this year, you announced to your customers and followers that you were going to begin sourcing flowers from outside the U.S. You posted a letter on your website called Our Heart 
that explained your decision and what it meant to you and your team. You explained that you were faced with a challenge of sourcing enough flowers from domestic farms and that Farm Girl will now, quote, source directly from farms abroad whose values align with our own. As you said, we will continue to buy the majority of our flowers from U.S. growers, at least 80% right now, and we'll be subsidizing with flowers we can't get enough of here. What is the response been to this announcement? Christina responded, I was really nervous. I knew I needed to write that letter to lay it all out there. I had to say, this is the situation and this isn't what I want to do. I'm sad about this, but I'm just going to be honest and tell people why. Then we started getting emails and they were so positive. Everybody was so nice, so supportive, so thankful that I was honest with them. Customers who I had never met before wrote things like, I've always bought from you because I love your aesthetic and I'm going to keep buying from you because I love your heart. We announced this on January 25th, 2017, and we actually had a good transition. At Valentine's Day last year, we only received between 20 and 25% of our confirmed domestic flowers, a lot due to the heavy winter rains in California. Had I not been able to use imported flowers, we would not have been able to fulfill our orders, which is what I feared, and it proved to me that I made the correct decision. So I asked Christina to join me today to reflect on the past year of transition for her. One of the other reasons for this interview is to discuss the pain of growth and how all successful companies evolve due to unexpected market forces. I was particularly moved to ask Christina to appear on the podcast again after yet another round of comments that flooded Facebook groups, mostly populated by U.S. flower farmers, after a recent Forbes article about Farm Girl, which was published this past December. I have to be honest, I was confounded by the number of assumptions and accusations being made about Christina in social media forums, and the conclusions to which people in the industry jumped, standing in judgment of a woman who has done incredibly amazing things to elevate the awareness of local flowers in our popular culture. At one point, Christina weighed in and offered to return to the podcast, and others on one of the threads were in support of it. What you're about to hear is an honest conversation between two friends. I simply can't be impartial, and I make no apologies for it. It saddens me that people are critical of Christina's choices. She speaks honestly about how tough those choices are and reveals, in fact, that she is still spending millions of dollars annually to buy American-grown and local flowers for Farm Girl. I hope you listen closely with an open mind and heart. While you may not agree with Christina's choices, I think you'll definitely learn from her tenacity and her big heart. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And I have a very special guest today on the podcast, Christina Stemble from Farm Girl Flowers. Hi, Christina. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the line with me, uh, especially since Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I can't believe you actually <laughs> have a moment to talk. Um, for you, anytime. <laughs> well, first of all, about a year ago this time, you wrote uh, an epic letter <laughs> on the Farm Girl Flowers website called Our Heart, and it's still on your website. And um can you kind of summarize what you what you wrote and put out there to try to be transparent with your your customers? Yeah. So um, last year we were faced with a, a challenge that I knew we were going to have to make, and I I you know, leading up to to that for the year leading up to it, I probably should have shifted it earlier than I did actually, um, and I was just it was the one thing that I didn't want to do, and so I just did everything in my power, even when 
the business was screaming that I needed to do this. Um, and my team members are screaming that we need to do this to make their jobs, uh, you know, able to be done. Um, I just really didn't want to do it. So I waited and waited, waited to the last possible moment. But I knew going into Valentine's Day last year that we were not going to be able to fulfill the orders that we were going to take if we didn't do something differently. So I waited mm. until Jan- yeah, January 25th um, was the go date. Um, I actually went away. Um, I did a, a workcation, I called it, because I just needed to get my thoughts and my you know, I just needed to think basically. And when you're in the middle of a really crazy high growth company and with so many, you know, team members that are asking questions a million times a day and trying to just do, I needed to go away and think. So I went away up to Northern California and um, I just kind of like poured my heart out. And I was like, okay, you know, let me just write it all down. And then when I was writing it all down, I was like, okay, this is what I have to do, but I don't want to do it. Um, I thought, you know, how am I going to, announced this to the world when I knew that the backlash was going to be great. And I knew that, um, that, you know, people were going to make their own assumptions about why we were doing this and they probably weren't going to be positive. So something we talk about at Farm World a lot um, with my management team is that in the absence of information, people make up their own story and it's Mm -hmm. usually negative. Mm -hmm. And, so I thought, well, I don't want that to happen. We, we talk about it a lot because we're constantly trying to work on our culture and um, our communication with, internally with our team. And um, for some reason, it just seems that people assume negative intent uh, um, a lot of the time in the absence of information. So I thought, well, let me just pour my heart out that I'm, you know, I've already done, poured it out on paper for myself to kind of figure out where I'm at. Um, but let me just be really, you know, in in the way that we want to be as a company in general, like we want, you know, transparency is a, is a value we really hold dear to us. And so um, I thought, well, let me just be really transparent and open and honest with uh, the public and with our, our customers about why we're doing this. And my hope was that if I just be really honest and transparent and in a way that wasn't, you know, I didn't give all the information because, you know, my first draft, <laughs> uh, Brene, <laughs> Brene Brown's kind of my idol and, she calls it her city first draft. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry if you have to bleep that. Um, but my, my FC um, was was you know was definitely like this is these are all the stories. This is all that's happened, and um, it was very long. And I was like, okay, now I need to clean this up because I don't want to bash anybody. But I do believe that no positive change occurs in the world in general unless you're honest and transparent about things. It was kind of a manifesto of why. <laughs> we needed to use imported flowers, introduce imported flowers to the mix and add that to the domestic flowers that we were ordering as well. So in order to continue to grow, I knew we needed to, to start sourcing further away because otherwise I was going to have to either just stop growing and say, okay, we can only do, you know, 500 orders a day and that's it. And I can, can't grow the company um, because that's all I can get. Because based on mm-hmm. the last few years of explosive growth and the amount that I was trying to work with the, the local flower farmers, the large-scale ones, which we can talk about later, the difference between I can't work with ones that have two buckets of flowers a week or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. possible. But mm-hmm. the large-scale ones that can fulfill larger amount percentages of what we needed, um, they, weren't, you know, they weren't fulfilling uh, what they said that they were going to be able to do. 
Yeah, and Christina, the, I just want to address the word growth because I, I know that there's been some criticism about why do you need to grow, but frankly, even at that point, you couldn't have maintained with your current supply chain. It wasn't well, regardless yeah. of growth, right? I wouldn't have maintained it because it wasn't working as it was, and so mm-hmm. the way that we were having to do things meant that we made zero profit, zero. Like, we were just trying not to lose our shirts. Uh-huh. And so why work? I'm not joking, and I don't. I'm not saying this to like be you know pat myself on the back. I work 20 hours a day, like literally. I know you 15 do. <laughs> to 20 hours a day. Like, ask my husband. He um, never sees me without a computer in front of me, and I, I work a minimum of 100 hours a week. And so why would anybody? Somebody wrote a comment about like, would anybody be this saintly? And I was like, you're my favorite person because like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just not going to work you know 100 to 120 hours a week minimum in order to do something that can't be profitable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. not that's not wise. So a year ago when you when you made this decision, you had just finished about six years of running Farm Girl. Is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. And give us a snapshot of what what the reality was at that point. What was what made you have to go one hundred and eighty degrees opposite of your original brand mission? And change it up. And yeah. I, I, I want to talk about this because all businesses evolve. I know for myself, so flowers today is not what I thought it was in 2012. It's just, we, we are evolving people and we have to sometimes make hard, painful, and maybe contradictory decisions. It's just, it's just how life goes. But what was it like about a year ago? What had led up to this point? What had led, led up to that point is um, receiving a quarter of the orders that we were confirmed with our domestic growers the year before mm-hmm. um, as an aggregate for holidays, we were receiving between 10 and 15% of the mm-hmm. orders that we had placed. So for instance, just an example, yeah. um, lilies, let's say we ordered 4,000 stems of lilies and we got 400. Um, and, and, and like this was right before a holiday, so you couldn't really. Yeah, I mean, this was, that's what would show up with no communication from the farms that we weren't going to get um, what we had been promised. It's just the truck rolls up at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're expecting 4,000 stems, and you have, you know, 100 and some people waiting for those, you know, to start designing their bouquets, you know, with all the other flowers as well. And they don't show up, and you're like, what am I going to do now? And so what it entailed was us going through a wholesale, a wholesaler, a very expensive, you know, couple of wholesalers, and basically buying out everything they had to be able to make our bouquets that day um, and that week for the big holiday, and paying, you know, double, you know, 50 to 100% more per stem than what we were supposed to have to pay. And so it's not that that I'm greedy. And I've seen a lot of this, like, oh, she's just choosing money over her values and things like this. I, I read those comments and they're hurtful because the one thing I believe in myself more than anything is my integrity. Even when I have to spend a lot more money, I make, I try to make the right decision. And so um, it, it's not that I'm greedy. I just can't afford to spend, you know, my flower cost is supposed to be 33%. I can't have it 50 to 60% and pay labor and right. pay benefits that we pay our team members. And, all the overtime because people are working 16 hours a day minimum as well with me. And so all the overtime. And so then it's like, great. So we just worked our butts off. And this is really key. My team, they care so much. And it's like if everybody wants 
this to work, you know? And yeah. so they're willing to work harder than I've ever seen any team work before. We have 118 members right now and they work their butts off. And I then have to go to them and say, you know, we can't do any bonuses or can't do anything for any of the team members just busted their butt because we lost money last week for Valentine's Day because we had to go to the wholesaler and buy out their entire inventory of what they had. And then, then it's also harder production-wise because you have to change all of your recipes that you'd spent months, you know, coming up. Creating, there, right. There's a lot of, like, operations that goes behind it, like training your team on how to make this bouquet. And we're not only we're going from, you know, a big day of being, you know, 800 to 1,000 is a big day to going to, like, okay, now we need to do that six times that. We need to do 6,000 that day. So now we need to do speed training. And, and so changing the recipe last minute and having every team doing a different recipe is very challenging operationally as well mm-hmm. for a major holiday like that. So it just screws everything up. There's a ripple effect that is just goes so far. Wow. And so this Lily example multiplied by continually having this challenge of pre-ordering and you're not pre-ordering from a tiny farm that maybe has a, a like, a, I don't know, hail and, and windstorms that, that week, so you couldn't have controlled the weather. You're pre, you were pre-ordering from commercial farms that have greenhouses and uh, kind of mechanized production. I mean, they, they yes, they have maybe some fails, but they're able to kind of know and forecast what their stem production is, right? Yeah, so... That's another point that I need to make. When I first started, I could order flowers. I could work with little tiny farms and because, you know, I was doing 26 orders a day. So that's, that's doable. Um, now that we're, you know, doing thousands a day, um, we, we can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So it just wouldn't be it, – it, it just couldn't happen. And I've seen some people explain that on the post as well, which I really appreciate those people for trying to shed some light on it. We can't – order from 5,000 farms. It just logistically wouldn't work. And most of those farms don't have transportation. We need people to have transportation that, that we can get the product. Um, and it needs to be large amounts. We can't say, mm-hmm. okay, we'll take 100 from this farm, 100 from this farm, to try to get to our 5,000 number. That would take so much um, labor. It wouldn't work. Yeah. yeah, labor, and just, it just wouldn't work. Um, so we're working yeah. with the larger of the domestic farms. Um, the ones that have kind of, you know, the ability to, if we say we need 4,000 stems or even, you know, we'll split it and you know, we need 2,500 from here and 2,500 from here and stuff, but they have to be in the thousands. They can't be in the hundreds kind of thing, yeah. you know? And, and what is the explanation that you're getting with, I know you said you sometimes 400 stems show up instead of 4,000 with no explanation, but I'm sure you were on the phone the minute you could get through to somebody to be like, Hey, uh, where's our flowers? We what used kind of to be, were you getting? but now, like I have to say in 2017 or in 16 and 16, we just kind of kind of gave up on it. We're like, the explanations are the same. Every time you call, they're like, oh, yeah, we're really sorry. We over forecasted and, um, you know, we just didn't have the yield that we thought we were going to. And, um, and we also have, you know, a lot of customers that we need to split it up with. So everybody got mm-hmm. a small percent. So it's not just mm-hmm. us, it's other people mm-hmm. as well getting a small percent of what they had ordered. The mm-hmm. wholesalers, they can't just give us all of their products, so they have to divide it up. Mm-hmm. But they just over forecast. Or, you know, there are some weather things, and we're understanding um, of that. However, that, that can't be every time because we're not weather every time. Um, and a lot of the farms, you know, many of them that we work with that were over projecting and under, um, under delivering were, I mean, they're lovely, wonderful people, and they, you know, would be like, 
you know, we have one in particular I'm thinking of, and I should call them out. But, you know, after every holiday, they'd come up and want to meet and be like, we're so sorry. We did it again. We're sorry. Like, and it's like, you know, it's not like they want to do it. It's not like it's malicious. It's not that they're like, oh, that farm girl, we're going to get them. You know, it's just that it, it, it wasn't working. So whatever they're doing with their production, mm-hmm. it'd be like me taking in, you know, the 6,000 orders a day for the holiday. And, and this is literally what was happening, happening. If I had just, you know, let the ripple effect play out, I'd be like, okay, I can, I can fulfill, you know, a thousand of them or 1500 of them or, but I can't, that's not the ripple effect that I'm going to let happen. So then we just have to fix it. Yeah. You have customers you're trying to satisfy as well. Yeah. And for, you know, because we're B to C instead of B to B, you know, business to consumer versus business to business, like, I can't just say to the customer the same way that they're saying to me as the business that they're providing for, oh, I'm sorry, it just didn't happen, um, because I'd be out of business, you know? You'd lose that. Yeah, you'd lose that yeah. customer. Yeah. Um, so you made this announcement, and it was a kind of pre-Valentine's Day 2017, and the, the announcement really is we are going to have to diversify our, our sourcing practices. We're still buying from domestic farms, but we're going to have to work with uh, South American farms to augment what we are not able to fulfill in our yeah. growth. Is that a pretty simplified way of saying it? Yeah, no, that's exactly what we said. And we told them a little bit like, you know, this, this isn't what we wanted to do, but it's what we have to do in order to keep growing and providing flowers for everyone that they mm-hmm. want. So what and I also you, said that we would keep an American-grown option available. You have a 100% USA-grown uh, bouquet on the Farm Girl website, and I... Yeah. I send that link to people whenever they ask about that. Yeah. Um, so roughly how much money did you spend on flowers, purchasing wholesale flowers in 2017? About $5 million. $5 million. Okay. Yep. How much of that was domestic? Approximately $3.5 million. Okay. Of that. So you're still spending a huge, enormous amount of money uh, that's going to domestic flower farms. It's, I, 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 don't, I can't even, I can't wrap my head around that amount. That amount. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, arguably, I, like, I think we're one of the largest purchasers of, I don't have facts behind that, of, but based on talking to the farms and knowing, you know, we're in their, you know, top three <laughs> client list. I think mm-hmm. we're purchasing, we're in the top, you know, few percent of people purchasing American flowers every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So, who, would your, who would your big competitors be, grocery chains or other um, online sellers? I think uh, wholesalers. You know, there's mm. some, some large-scale wholesalers that purchase uh, American-grown. Some some of their product is American-grown. And so when I'm trying to get flowers, I'm usually competing with them to get the flowers okay. that I want. Well, that's so interesting because I remember the conversations we had about the first – one of the first brick walls that was put up against you was we don't sell direct to florists we only sell to wholesalers. And your argument was, I basically am a wholesaler. What are you talking yep. about, right? Yep. They um, And I'm buying as much as the wholesalers or more than a lot of the, the wholesalers. So, yeah, that's been frustrating. There's still U.S. farms that will not sell to us. To this day, there are many U.S. farms, large-scale farms, that won't sell to us. And there are um, I've had to prove through facts that I had available to me and, and proof, um, physical proof, to some farms that I knew they were selling to our male-owned counterparts, that mm. e-com counterparts, to get them to sell to us. 
And Mm -hmm. so there are are things that just are not great. And Mm -hmm. I think that the people that are mad at me for sharing stories about this, what I would say is that I, this is my belief system and nobody has to subscribe to this, but I think in the world in general, that when you sweep things under the carpet and just don't say them because they might hurt people's feelings, nothing, no positive change comes from that. I think we need to be open and honest and transparent about what's happening in the industry. So hopefully we can see some positive change in the future. Mm-hmm. What do you, what is the positive change you want to see happen? I want to see equal opportunity to purchase flowers domestically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter what gender you are, no matter um, if it's just not the way it's been done before, let's look at it in a way that says, okay, well, this is the way the world is changing. The world isn't the same as it was in the 80s. You know, when everybody's like, well, in the 80s, it was so great. In the 80s and 90s, we sold so many flowers before everything went to South. Well, it's not the 80s anymore. Let's let's mm-hmm. figure out a new way to do it, a way, a better way of doing it. So it's not like, well, I only sell to wholesalers, even though, you know, the world is changing and, you know, consumer purchasing is going to e-com now instead of traditional flower shops or traditional uh, you know, the way that it used to be years ago. Right. So let's all change. Right. So for the florists even that like, you know, are upset that we're taking some of their market share. And that wasn't our intent going into this, by the way. My intent was to compete with the big e-com giants, not the, the flower shops and, you know, on, in the neighborhood corner. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that, you know, there is a ripple effect on that as well. And, and we have, and, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, what I tell them is, you know, go to Wix or to Shopify and put something online <laughs> for your flower shop because that's how consumers are purchasing now. So here we are. You've had a year of this um, experience. What what has been the fallout? Anything at all? Or, I mean, I know that you've stated that you've um, your customers have not responded negatively. I mean, people who are actually customers of Farm Girl are supportive because you've been transparent, right? Yeah, we haven't received... To my knowledge, we haven't received any negative feedback from customers. Um, I think some of the press has taken out the word customers from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the negative response, the only negative response that we've received is from people in the industry that, um, you know, want to judge us from the outside as why they think we're doing these things and the absence mm-hmm. of information they're creating their stories that aren't mm-hmm. accurate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also attacking. I think it's it's really easy to sit behind a computer now. I think we've all seen that in every industry and mm-hmm. attack people. And I don't, you know, it must provide some momentary, you know, feeling good or something because I don't understand it. You know, I think especially I'm a huge feminist, um, as you know. <laughs> so um, I am such a believer in supporting other women, especially um, I think it's hard enough for all of us, and I've seen it on the business side in so many different aspects, not just on supply chain, um, to succeed as a woman. And only 2% of female-owned companies ever make it to a million dollars in revenue, which is my, like, most horrendous and favorite stat at the same time. Like, it's wow. just crazy to that's me, and that's crazy. the thing that, yeah, I want to change that. And so I just think we should all be, instead of tearing each other down, which just seems like seventh grade to me, I think we should be building each other up and, um, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt instead of just assuming negative intent. Right, right. And I, I agree completely. I feel like um, there's so much behind comments that are hurtful, and some of it means that there's people are dealing with fear in their own lives or uncertainty in their own business. Um, and all that energy that's being thrown out to, you know, on 
the web uh, to, to criticize uh, a model they perhaps don't understand or don't like, if you could just harness that energy and put it into your own business and focus on your own mission, your own values, your own brand, what's right for you. Because in the end, that's all we can control in life, right? I mean, you're, you, you got to that point. You're like, I, you had to sort of take charge of your own destiny when the model you originally started Farm Girl with just wasn't working. Yeah, and can I say something about that too? So I, mm-hmm. I read, you know, I read a lot of the comments and that people had about that Forbes article, and there was a, seemed to be a lot of negativity surrounding the fact that I wanted to build a, a large company, and mm-hmm. I've never been secretive about that. I want to build a company that competes with the large giants in this industry, and those large giants do a billion dollars a year in sales. And I'm not saying I want to do that because I want to make a ton of money because. We all know this. Perishable products don't make a lot of money. So, you know, uh, one of the large giants was public. He did 6.8% net profit margin a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, to get 10% profit margin is huge in this industry. So it's not like I'm saying I want to build a billion-dollar company to make a ton of money and go jet set the world. I mean, I'm the least debt spending person out there, you know? I know, so, I know. I'm like, what would you do? You would, you'd be too bored. You'd be restless. You'd be like, let's do a new business. <laughs> yeah, I would probably do another one. Or I would help do something. I have some ideas about how I would help um, bridge that gap between, you know, the, the female-owned companies that can't make it to a million dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. I would do something to help that. But mm-hmm. so, but the thing is, like, I've never been secretive about that. From when the day I started in my dining room in November 7th, 2010, my intention was to build a comparable company to the giants of the, of the e-com flower world. And mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that. I don't think that's a bad thing to say that. In order to do that, my objective had to shift and pivot. Every company, like you mentioned so accurately, has to pivot. And this, I've pivoted so many times. This is not, this is definitely not the first or last time I'll have to pivot. I pivot. One of my team members a few years ago said this, and we still use it to this day. She said, every two weeks, our com- it's a completely different company. Our company <laughs> completely changes into a new company. It's like raising a toddler. <laughs> yeah, and actually, we just had a meeting with um, with some of my, my managers, and the feedback from this, this outside company that had come in was, wow, I've never seen a management team that's so unafraid of change. Like, they welcome mm-hmm. change with an open arm. Mm-hmm. So because my team constantly has to pivot. We constantly are changing. This was the hardest change for us because it's the one that we didn't want to do the most. Mm-hmm. Like, we did not want to do this. But we had to in order to keep growing. And there's nothing wrong with saying we want to be a larger company. Someone in the industry, which you know very well, told me that I just needed to stunt the company's growth. Mm-hmm. That is not okay to me. Nobody would have mm-hmm. told Howard Schultz that or, you know, anybody mm-hmm. and at large, mm-hmm. you know, like, I am not going to stunt the company's growth. And I'm not going to be ashamed or embarrassed to say that I want a billion-dollar company because then you know why I want that? Because I'm providing a better product and a better customer experience to that many people, which is what I wanted to do, yeah. you know? so And, and Cecilia, you're also creating living wage benefited yeah. jobs for your employees when your competitors are using contract workers who have no benefits. Yeah, um, I mean, that's not really uh, addressed at all. No, and people, you know, I, I saw, like, the reason I didn't say that earlier was because I saw some of the comments were like, oh, she just uses that as a soundbite now. It's not a soundbite. Like, I, like, it cost me so much money. We just launched a 401k last year for the team. I don't know any 
shower company that has a 401k for their team, you know, at this size mm-hmm. that we are not, mm-hmm. we're not at a billion dollars. Um, so we did that, we're, you know, I'm saving up now because I'd really like to have subsidized childcare because it's so expensive for single moms to get a job out there. And I'd like to be able to, to provide that. For them. So, you know, I'm trying to create really good jobs um, as well that are pay higher than, than minimum wages, have full benefits. You know, we have the same medical as my husband has at Facebook. I mean, you know, we're mm-hmm. really trying mm-hmm. to do it right for our team and provide right. good jobs. Well, and you're in San Francisco where it's like super expensive for everything. You're competing with Silicon Valley for real estate, for employees, for services. And um, yeah, in a way, that was a brilliant place to start your business because you were close to a lot of California farms. Um, and you're still buying from some of those California farms. But I'm sure there's part of you who would just love to move to like the lowest cost town in America yeah. and cut your overhead in half. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. That sounds really good when I see the pain and rent and everything as well. So um, uh, one last thing to the point, if you don't mind, about yeah. building a big company. Yeah. I would welcome anybody who doesn't like the decisions that I've made for the company, given what I want our growth to be, to do it better. Do it mm-hmm. better. That's that's mm-hmm. absolutely right. That's what I tried to do, you know, that's, or that's what I'm trying to do and what I'm hoping that we are doing is I saw a necessity I saw that I didn't like what was being done, and I tried to come up with a model that would do it better. So if other people, instead of, you know, complaining and writing, you know, negative things about me, just go do it better. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, everybody or has just, the opportunity to work 20 hours a day like me and <laughs> to bust their butt to try to do something. So I welcome it, and I would stand here on the side of them cheering them on to do it better. Well, and the thing is, Christina, I don't really think anyone wants to do a better model than Farm Girl Flowers because I I just know it takes a very unique, single-minded individual to do that, and and that is definitely what you've been. I want everyone to just do their own business better and just focus on their own business. And, um, yeah, women have to struggle so much just to be treated equally that, especially taking on other women. It's just, it's disheartening and um, I, you don't deserve it. Yeah. Christina, I know that, that you have such a sweet inner core. You truly are a farm girl who grew up on a farm, <laughs> but you have had to grow this thick skin to kind of just um, not be brought down by, you know, hot shots that people are taking at you. And um, I apologize to you on behalf of, of what's happening in our industry that, that that's even, you know, in your, you know, in your atmosphere and that you're having to have some of that come across. I know you're right, though. It It is not necessarily farm bill customers. It's, it's maybe people who are in the industry who are watching from the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went through, you know, after reading some of those, I went through all of our emails because we keep copies of everything. And just to see, I'm like, maybe my team just didn't send me some because they didn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. hurt my feelings or something like mm-hmm. that. And um, yeah, I went through and I couldn't find a single one that was from a customer in there. There mm-hmm. were, you know, a couple mm-hmm. things from people in the industry and most of those weren't even bad. They were just saying, Hey, we'd like to sell you our product. Um, right. things like that. So, which, right. you know, we responded to and, and followed up with, and most of them weren't large enough or didn't have transportation, um, to make that possible. Um, right. But right. yeah, we, the customers, you know, had overwhelmingly positive responses, and they were just happy that we were honest and open about it with them. 
Um, and Why do you think that was? Do you think that was just because they felt like your story was something that they resonated with or that resonated with them and that you have an aesthetic that they um, are drawn to and just kind of all the other facets of Farm Girl that it was not solely about how you sourced? I mean, what, well, I, you, I, you I did get feedback. I did get feedback. I got great feedback and like people sending love letters, which was amazing. And I seriously sat there crying reading them. They were mm-hmm. so nice. And mm-hmm. especially as difficult it was of a decision for me, I, I felt like it was like, oh my gosh, I just was like bawling. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but I think um, they were just really appreciative that we explained it instead of just flipping the switch. And mm-hmm. um, I, we always try to do that in everything that we do. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, think it was going to be, you know, so I am a businesswoman as well. So I did do a focus group before making the change to see mm-hmm. if that, you know, how, how it would negatively impact. Cause I'm not going to, you know, not just because I'm a businesswoman, but in the respect that I have at that point, I think I had like 70 team members relying on me for their livelihood. And if I was going to put them in jeopardy of not getting a paycheck because I was going to blow up the business, I needed to find that out beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a focus group and it was, there were many reasons before the local mission why people purchased from us. It was actually, I mean, I hate to say this because I'm probably going to get a bunch of feedback on this too, but it was, <laughs> I know it was the second to the last reason on why people purchased from us. They bought from us because they really liked our aesthetic. That was the first thing. Um, they liked our brand and our business our authenticity. They thought that we were um, a brand that they, you know, younger consumers want to, feel good where they're putting their money and it matters to them on who they're purchasing from. Um, and that's what all the, the staff has said. And I, I found that to be completely true. Um, and so that, that was the second reason. Um, they liked the freshness. They, um, they felt that the flowers, their experiences with the flowers lasted longer um, than, than other uh, companies that they purchased from. And then it was local. And then it was our bike couriers. Cause I also was checking to see um, the transportation since now we ship, you know, almost it's like 77 or 78 percent of every order is shipped outside of San Francisco now um travel so those, those cute so, those cute bike couriers can't can't get all yeah. the way to Seattle yeah yeah now the people in the city were like I love you know I love Joe or Brew or whoever the bike you know they love the bike mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. but yeah uh we just I think they just like that we were being authentic and mm-hmm. uh I kept the letter up there on our site for a year now, um, mm-hmm. and right. I'll probably continue to keep it up there because another thing that I've seen is people saying that I'm misleading consumers because some some press still does write that we're local, and I will say, and you can weigh in on this better than anybody, but um, I have no control over what the press writes at all. Right, like zero. Right, it's right. Cool. So right. a lot of those articles are just repurposed from years ago. Um, everybody is, you know, constantly you know, reposting old content or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or they're just taking, you know, what they think about our site without ever talking to us about it mm-hmm. and putting mm-hmm. stories up, which I really appreciate the press. Um, unlike some of the sound bites right now after about the press and fake news and stuff. Um, even if it's, you know, not accurate information, I am so appreciative because I think that the press on any flower company or any flower, anybody in the flower space is helping all of us. So, you know, all of the research that I did prior to starting Farm Real Flowers, and I still had to defend it a lot when I was just trying to raise some capital, um, was people saying, why would you start a company in a declining uh, space? So everything shows that it's a declining space. Like people are purchasing flowers far less often than than older generations did or previous decades did. So um, 
you know, I think that any press that's out there is helping rebuild an industry that was declining. And right. that's how I look at it. Right. And that idea that you want to see flowers in the news uh, no matter what helps make flowers more of a uh, top-of-mind decision as opposed to, um, well, yeah. another way for consumers to spend their disposable income. Exactly. It, I do yeah. believe that it's going to make somebody think, oh, let me stop at that corner flower shop on my way to that dinner party and pick up some flowers because I just saw an ad for another company altogether about flowers, but it put it in their head. Mm-hmm. That's, That's how true. marketing works, you know? <laughs> right. So, so Christina, looking, we're, we're recording this before Valentine's Day, looking to the major floral holidays of 2018 and, and beyond. What's, what's on tap for Farm Girl? What, what, um, what do you, I don't know, what do you've got cooking or how, how are things going? I just, just give us a little snapshot of, of your current situation. Yeah, so we're gearing up for Valentine's Day with everybody <laughs> with a lot of um, excitement and trepidation at the same time. <laughs> but what will it look like um, and how will it, it, it work? Um, we are feeling a lot more secure now that we're using um, not just domestic flowers. So one last soundbite about last Valentine's Day that I should have mentioned yeah. um, was that if we hadn't have opened it up to uh, international flowers for Valentine's Day, we would have only been able to do 18% of our orders. So that's what we received last Valentine's Day from the domestic growers, 18%. So, um, and people can say that I'm lying. I'm not lying. They're welcome to go through our invoices (laughs) and (laughs) our spreadsheets and I can show them and our procurement manager will gladly get on the phone with them and tell them. (laughs) Um, So uh, we are less scared this year because we have a mix of domestic and imported flowers. So there's a lot more availability for us to, and a lot more security knowing that we're going to get um, a lot more of our flowers. So we can mm-hmm. then order a lot less from domestic that we know that they're not going to be able to fulfill and they're not going to be scared. Cause also, a lot of times I think they were just scared to say they couldn't fulfill it because they didn't want to lose their business. Where now they're mm-hmm. a little bit more like, hey, I just need to know very honestly from you what you're going to be able to fulfill because I need to order it from another guy. But we give them first right refusal all the time. I was going to say, you're still going to these domestic sources first. Yes, of course. Yes. And we're not saving a buck either. So, like, you know, we haven't found that to be the case, that it's so much cheaper on the imported flowers, especially because how we're transporting them to us is a lot more expensive to try to get them fresher. We don't, you know, truck a lot of it for a week before it gets to us. So we, mm-hmm. we're working, you know, a lot of it, all of our roses are shipped via, via FedEx to our door from their door so we can get it four days sooner. So they're much fresher. So we're making decisions like that. So we're not saving a buck at all, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But we you're just trying to ensure your you're just yeah. trying to ensure your your inventory. Yeah, I just need to get ninety eight percent of what I order instead of eighteen percent, like last Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. Um, so we, you know, are are have a lot on the horizon. We are doing roses now that we can get enough roses um, because you know we finally had to. Last year was the first year we're like, okay, we can't. We can't beat them. We're just going to join them and do a rose bouquet, a couple rose bouquets for the guys. Um, this was really interesting, which maybe will be interesting feedback for everyone else that they can use in their um, businesses. Uh, last year, I did a red rose bouquet, and it went swimmingly well from the order perspective. Like, all of the men that we had been spent, you know, five years telling them women don't want red roses, stop, order, stop trying to order red roses. We don't do red roses. They don't want them. We did videos around it. We did everything. And 
We just, everybody wants red roses. All the guys want red roses. It's the only holiday where it's normally 80% of the whole industry are women buying for women as a consumer base. And Mm -hmm. Valentine's Day is the only time that shifts to 75% male uh, purchasers. So the only time of year. So it's completely re-educating them on on everything that time, which is very changing your Changing your model for one holiday, basically. For one holiday. So we've done a lot Mm -hmm. of testing that could potentially help other people. So we tried the Red Rose uh, bouquet last year. The the orders loved it. It was overwhelmingly our our number one seller um, last year. But then the people that received it, um, mainly women, uh, did not like it. Uh, We've got a lot of feedback saying, you know, I spent all year, you know, dropping hints, tagging my husband or boyfriend on your social media um, just basically conditioning him to know that he has to send me farm girl flowers <laughs> for that holiday, the one time a year he's going to send me flowers. And then what he sent me doesn't look anything like farm girl flowers. Got it. it was just red oh. roses. So this year we're mixing it up and we're adding ranunculas to the mix because every woman loves ranunculas. So we're doing red roses for the men and ranunculas for the women, mixing them together. And I'm hoping that this year we win. (laughs) Success. Right. Right. I love it. It's like you're kind of like course correcting a little bit and trying to make everybody happy, which is, you know, of course impossible. But I I wish you luck on that. But the thing is, when you put ranunculus and roses together, you're also having like all these textural foliage elements, most of which are probably from California. And like, it's your aesthetic still. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All of the use, all of that stuff comes from California. We're, you know, all, most all of our greens are still um, domestic. We get a few things, um, some tropicals throughout the year from other places, uh, but most everything is uh, here. Um, we use yeah. eucalyptus and everything, and that's all here in California. We yeah, support yeah. The you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Christina, if somebody really wants to send you um, their thoughts, uh, what is the best way for? for them to do it uh, professionally and with, with sort of respect and not like in a public forum. Yeah. I would just ask people to remember that I'm a person as well. It's really easy when you're behind a computer screen and it's hurtful to, to read people just, you know, calling you all kinds of stuff, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, accusing you of all kinds of stuff. Uh, but I welcome any, you know, email farmgirl at farmgirlflowers.com and respectfully, you know, ask me questions, you know, I'm not going to respond if you're just sending me hate mail. You know, <laughs> right. if you want to ask questions and, and get the story so you don't assume negative intent or create your own story that might not be accurate, I'm welcome, welcome it, you know. Great. Definitely. I, I think that I'm very transparent as a person to my lawyer's chagrin. He's always like, you know, close your mouth, you know, <laughs> but I'm well, you know, honest, you know. Right. And And I have to say that there was a period of time where, Everybody, small flower farmers and farmer florists, was dying to get featured on the Field to Vase uh, blog, which you basically financed for over a year and paid paid out of pocket to no, really no financial gain. And that was that was sort of your gift to the industry to support growers of all sizes and to help florists find out about sourcing from local growers. And so. You know, at some point that became maybe a big financial, you know, kind of expenditure that you couldn't sustain. But that went on for over a year, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't stop it because of uh, financial. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't imply that. No, 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 no. I don't mean that for you. I just mean um, I stopped it because it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. 
Um, and I don't ever want to create a forum for people to be mean to other people or anything like that. And um, when stuff like that was happening, it was like, this isn't actually doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring yeah. people closer together, not separate them further apart. And that's kind of what I felt like it was doing. And so yeah. I paused it and we'll still go back to figure something out. Um, once I can pause long enough to catch my breath to figure that out. Um, and, but it, it you know, I, I would want it to make sure that it's doing positive and not um, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Not creating yeah. this sort of negative environment. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are listening who want to meet Christina Stemble and uh, hear more about the uh, Farm Girl Flower story, uh, she is going to be the, she's accepted my invitation to be the keynote speaker at the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit, which will be June 29th on a Friday in Washington, D.C. And I'll post all that information on the show notes for today's episode. Um, I'm so grateful you're coming, Christina. I'm, I'm excited about your topic, which is really something that I think everyone can take a large or small inspiration from, which is how to scale your floral business, right? Yes. Yes. No matter what size you are, how you can get it to the next level, if you want it to be. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with having it where it's at and just, you know, getting bigger profit margins for yourself so you can make a little bit of money potentially. But That's a different kind of scale. Yeah, <laughs> You're scaling profit. Yep. But I'm really excited to be there and I would, you know, I would love to talk to anybody who has questions. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to have some uh, time available, but I'd love to talk to all of you in person, uh, you know, and ask questions about, you know, if you, if you don't agree with what we've been doing and you want to hear more about the why or, um, you know, anything, any questions at all, I would love to talk to you there. So Yeah, that's really great. And I'm, I'm also excited that in addition to being the keynote speaker talking about scaling a floral business, you've agreed to sit on a panel about new technologies in um, the floral industry, which uh, more and more I'm hearing of uh, florists and flower farmers who are trying to figure out how to capture some of that e-commerce business even and for their own um, their own circles of customers. So I, I think you'll have some great secrets to share um, yes. and some revealing insights uh, on the, that afternoon panel that we're going to have as well. So yes, we're going to have you all day. Marketing, everything. Yes, everything. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> awesome. Well, Christina, I, um, I enjoy you so much. We've had many excursions and adventures um, as, as flower friends and um, I I appreciate you being vulnerable and um, willing to um, just be on this podcast today and kind of address some of the things that are out there in the blogosphere and the Facebook world. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure we've satisfied everybody, but I think you've been so willing to address the questions that I've seen and that I wanted to bring up. And I, um, I just admire you so much for, for doing that. I, I have to say Maybe I shouldn't say it. Never mind. <laughs> I just say no. No man would have to put up with this kind of scrutiny, and I just it's very thought, and it makes me crazy. So, yeah, um, no, I'm with so, you on that, and so that's why I think we need to stand together. And I think you're the perfect example of that because I cannot thank you enough for being. I, you're my best flower friend by far, and no matter what's going on, I mean, you've come with me to farms that I've been having issues with selling to me. You've seen it firsthand. Um, yeah. you know, you've, you've just been there. Um, and 
you know, early on, which I don't know if I should admit this, but early on, like, I would call you, like, crying and be like, these people are so mean. Like, why are they saying these things? You know, and now I'm in a much better place. And now I'm like, you know, know, (laughs) I had this talk where you're like, wow, you're in a great place. Yeah, where I have much thicker skin where I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, roll it off the bath a little bit, you know? Yeah. I need to take a I need to learn. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I need thank to learn you. from that too. And I, um, yeah, well, thank God we both have very good cell phone plans. So we're not like <laughs> breaking the bank on these calls. So, um, so Christina, for the, the, the show notes, I'd love to include some, um, fun photos of, of what you've got upcoming for Valentine's Day. Maybe I'll grab some stuff off your Instagram feed. Um, but kind of showing what the USA, uh, only bouquet looks like and maybe some of the other, uh, blended bouquets that you're selling. And, um, you know, anything else you think people want to see, we'll, we'll pop it onto the show notes, uh, for today's episode at deborahprinting.com. And, and best wishes for getting through Valentine's Day. We didn't even tell people that you put an RV in the parking lot of the warehouse and people take two hour sleeping shifts. Yep. Which is <laughs> insane. So, um, and the last oh. night none of us could sleep because it smelled so bad in the RV <laughs> that we couldn't even sleep. Oh, it was bad. Now you need one of those portable luxury showers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Christina. I really enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. I am grateful to Christina to opening herself to this kind of scrutiny and explanation. I respect her for even trying to set the record straight and sharing some insights into her decisions. If you have more to say, please say it to her directly rather than in a public forum like Facebook. She has offered up her email at farmgirl at farmgirlflowers.com, and I know she will answer any respectfully posed questions with sincerity. Despite my personal mission of changing the floral landscape through Slow Flowers outreach, promotion, and content, I have also acknowledged that imports are here to stay. Yet, if we can even move the needle by a few percentage points away from the 80% import, 20% domestic ratio, I will consider this movement a success. And I think we're moving in that direction. I'm well aware of the compromises that many feel they have to sometimes make in order to stay in business. The flower shops that have a secret stash of floral foam in the back room. The designers who don't want to say no to a customer's request for white hydrangeas from South America in January. The flower farmers who run a side gig with a farm in Baja. Don't kid yourself. Not everyone is doing it, but it happens. I was recently called out for leasing a Honda and slapping my slow flow license plate on it. And I've faced crummy decisions when the hard goods wholesaler where I shop runs out of USA-made glass vases, and I'm forced to substitute with imported glass vases from China because I didn't plan ahead. Degrees of sustainable decisions face us all. Let's focus on what we're doing that's positive and continue to uphold support and encourage one another to be transparent and honest in our actions. Cooperation over competition is the phrase I often hear. I hope you'll receive this podcast today in that spirit. If you're able to attend the second annual Slow Flower Summit coming up June 29th in Washington, D.C., you'll hear from Christina, who will serve as our keynote speaker. Her presentation, Scaling Your Floral Business to the Next Level, will share great insights for floral professionals at any stage in their journey. Please visit the show notes today for this podcast, and you'll find all the links and details to the Slow Flower Summit. I'll be featuring our speakers and more event details in the coming weeks. 
The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 280,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American Grown Flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They are Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown Program and Label, provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnny'sseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers formed in 1988. ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.